systems initiated. You're listening to the Empire Podcast Network. Hey everyone, it's Jacob Young. My guest this week is a familiar face to fans of the original Dynasty and the Colbys as the polo playing Miles Colby. He's also a talented stage actor who starred on Broadway. He also sang and danced in London's West End and shows like Chicago. And together with his wife, Emmy-winning actress Juliette Mills, they've toured theaters around the U.S., England, and Australia. And for fans of the iconic movie Grease 2, well, he is the cool writer. My guest this week is the always cool Maxwell Caulfield. You know what time it is. It's time to keep it real with Jacob Young on Real Conversation, sponsored by Boys Town. Maxwell, Jacob. how are you, sir? Oh, I'm real. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, uh, flying after that intro. Thank you. And Boys <laughs> Town, too. That's a wonderful association. Oh, so, so you know Boys Town. Indeed, I do. What a worthy, worthy organization. Yeah. You know, you know, great film too. You know, of course, you know the classic. You know, with Mickey Rooney and Spencer Tracy. I recently toured their campus, which I was just blown away by. Just the lives that they changed, and they, I believe that they are truly on the precipice of a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, good lord! That that would that would be wonderful. Bring yeah. Well, I just want to say thanks again for joining me today. And what a pleasure it is to have you on the podcast. Now, you've moved to America from England as a as a young actor, which man, that takes that takes a lot of courage to well, do something like that. You know what it was? I was definitely a young man in a hurry. I was also uh, lucky enough to have a vague claim to uh, U.S. residency via my uh, stepfather. And uh, who was uh, an American, um, and uh, um, and I'd uh, really uh, I'd, I'd I'd come to the U.S. as a as a teenager. Um, I mean, I actually came to to live and work here as a teenager too. I was eighteen, but I came when I was about fourteen and fell in love with the country with a part of the Boy Scout movement. It was a uh, we did a we got to uh, stay with an American family. And uh, you know we with corresponding uh, scout troops. Uh, one it was a troop in uh, Media, Pennsylvania, uh, just outside of Philly. What kind of experiences helped shape you from Boy Scouts? Do you think? Well, again, like you, I'm very grateful for for what I actually really basic. Uh, I mean, you learn some survival skills as a Boy Scout, uh, and it's not just learning to tie knots. It's uh, you know, it's, it's being able to bivouac, it's being able to uh, read a compass, uh, read the stars, understand cloud formations and, and what they uh, presage, and um, and just actually the camaraderie and the whole, whole you know, understanding, you know, the, the, the echelon, as it were, the, the pecking order. You know, I was, I was, I was determined to be uh, one of the, uh, the leaders <laughs> That's just my ego. I had to. I had to get accumulate as many badges. Of course, you did. <laughs> you know, um, but I actually did. I did get to. I did get to chief scout. So I was very proud of that. And and it's what it, it, it what it's all about. Really, is the developing some self esteem and also uh, 
we got to go to some fantastic places because you know you go camping yeah so you go and spend nights in places like you know the foot of snowdonia in the in the welsh mountains and down on the beaches of cornwall and the southwest and that's what we got to do in our troop we were pretty uh, we had a pretty adventurous uh, scout leader and um it uh, was happened to be just down the road from my favorite football team, Chelsea. So I was, you know, I'd go to the scout troop on the Friday night, and on Saturday I'd be on the terraces watching uh, Chelsea at the, from the shed in. Fantastic. And, uh, and I was living in West London, and as I say, I developed this sort of passion for all things American, and I just love. Well, first off, I was at a very uh, strict single-sex boys public school. Um, and uh, but public in the British sense means private, mm. and so for me to interface with kids, lads uh, who were there from a slightly impoverished part of London, although it's called the World's End. So it was a I got to interface with different different uh, guys, you know, dealing with different situations, and it was there's a great leveling. And and the cre and as I said, if you you are lucky enough to have good good leaders, then you, it's just nothing but fun and education. I'd like you, I can't say enough about. It. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic experience for me, and it sounds like that was what it was for you too. And it really is a leveling effect. It doesn't matter if you're from the you know another side of the tracks, or you you know you come from a family that doesn't have as much as maybe your family does sure, exactly. and, and suddenly it's like, you're just boys learning to survive, light fires, you know, go camping, yeah. canoe. I mean, it was just, it was wonderful. Uh, and I, I had a blast. I had a blast. In yeah, with uh, with uh, so many people, so many young people spending so much time in front of a computer, uh, it, you know, and not getting, and then on top of it, then you throw in the fact that, you know, schools are and and so they they've been brutal on the on the young people, absolutely brutal. But you know we're coming back, and uh, the country is uh, you know you gotta you gotta keep faith with this with this country. Uh, I uh, uh, only briefly flirted with the idea of returning to the UK, and it was um, but numerous reasons. But my wife Juliet, of course, who who you've already referenced is. Uh, she's um, she's English, and we really tend to think of ourselves actually more as California than America. Huh. Well, speaking of you and the beautiful and talented Juliet Mills, you guys have one of the happiest, strongest marriages and and longevity in the yes, show sir. business history. I, I I think you guys did you guys meet during the Elephant Man? Yeah, we did. We got cast. Uh, funnily enough. Uh, uh, Richard Thomas, who was obviously was has gone on to have tremendous success on the Broadway stage, but when I came to the U.S. in the late seventies, he was uh, playing a character called John Boy in the uh, Waltons, or he had mm -hmm. a massive hit, and he was scheduled to play the the title role, the Elephant Man, opposite Juliet, in a winter tour, uh, even before the Juliet and I had both tried out for the national tour of the Elephant. Won the Tony Award, 
year for best play. But prior to the national tour going, which neither of us got, a winter tour was planned just for that circuit down in Florida, Palm Beach, Lauderdale, Miami. And um, some whatever reason, Richard Thomas dropped out at the last minute. And I was doing a show off-Broadway that was making some waves, and, it, and the director had seen it. And he brought me in. And yeah, interestingly, he wanted me to actually read opposite Juliet. This was going back for the national tour now, going back in time. Mm-hmm. It was only a matter of weeks before he also had to put together this winter tour of Florida. Long story short, I ended up with the job, cast opposite Juliet, and just fell for her the minute she walked into the, the <laughs> rehearsal hall. <laughs> and not only that, of course, I'd you know, been watching her uh, in her, her wonderful TV series, Nanny and the Professor. Right. Uh, and which is just like this sort of dream girl. And, you know, the lyrics of that show totally applied to that woman, you know, soft and sweet, wise and wonderful. And she continues to be that to this day. She's also desperately trying to get me another good job by, you know, the way we all have to these days act as self tape. If you're not oh. you know, to be uh, handed a, a screenplay with an offer, you know, you go, you know, you have to jump through the hoop. Yeah. Uh, in the, audition process and uh, so she is uh, just so excellent off camera on those self-taping situations she knows when to uh, call action and she knows when to call you know, <laughs> cut, cut me off and you know the way actors hate to be directed by fellow actors sure. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> never <laughs> and uh, but uh, we've worked it out now where i'm happy to get her direction and I uh, take it on board immediately. Um, oh, usually, um, in the great words of uh, William Wyler, when it, Charlton Heston, when I did the Colby, says that Willie Wyler used to come up to him when he was doing Ben Hur and say, Give me half. <laughs> okay, <laughs> ready? Let's roll. Got it. Uh, in half. Yeah, just, just yeah. bring it down a bit. Yeah, bring it down. <laughs> and um, what do they say? Uh, talk softly and think big or something. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the idea. All those great tricks. Well, that's wonderful that yeah. she's that she's you know as 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 yeah she you know I don't know if she should be but but you should definitely be like you know see, you, we got to see more of Maxwell in and you just got to be out there. So I'm glad that oh, she, tough, she's right? putting that fire under your ass a little I bit. I know that's yeah. that's the truth. Actually, now you put it. That is the thing. You have to you have to work through those periods of. Um, of negativity, uh, of almost being self-defeating. Um, and as you say, it's, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from uh, athletes who, who, as you know, do a face plant in some key competition and just get up off the mat, have that can-do spirit, and suddenly we all love a comeback. Um, and so that, as I said, it takes a little bit of, it takes discipline, it takes uh, confidence um, and, as I say, support. Support. And then we come back to Juliet again. Hell oh, yeah. He is so supportive. And That's it. To this day, his, his belief. I just wish there's been a very cruel irony of late when we've worked together. We're not, we've done, we've done, you've referenced in your intro that some national tours that we've been doing in the UK. One was Bedroom Farm by Alan Ick. And the other one was an adaptation of um, most recent, the, the Lady Vanishes 
uh, an Alfred Hitchcock uh, oh, that. Uh, film that's been adapted for the stage. And in need, we didn't get to act opposite each other in either of those uh, shows. So, but we were, because we were touring, we were in each other's pockets 24 7 anyway. Was it, do you think it was easier though to not be acting opposite of each well, other? I just love working with her. She's such an honest actress. And, um, uh, and uh, we do, we, you know, as you know, they often say showbiz couples actually are not very dynamic on screen. It, I've heard the same. Yeah, because they just know each other too well. They're too comfortable with each other. So they, but uh, I have heard that Juliet and I, when we work together, people are able to completely separate from the offstage situation and really uh, pick up on the dynamism that hopefully is in play when we work together. And, but I, I, I'm always looking for a place because I would so relish the chance to, you know, play tennis, verbal tennis with her, you know, in front of a live audience and 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 have that have that wonderful gratification of creating art together as opposed to just me acting into my iphone with her barking instructions as well as <laughs> as well as giving great line readings <laughs> well as a married man myself of many years now um my wife also is the woman behind the camera, yes, parking yes. instructions, as you say, um, and um, and of course hitting the record button, and of course you know um, the most patient person in the world because oh, oh yes, patient. I'm like, like I'm groveling thanks to her usually at the end of a marathon <laughs> session, and I keep blowing the take. But you know I'm reminded of a of the wonderful uh, late great Bill Paxton, fabulous. Oh man, I yeah. Mean, Rest in peace, Bill. Way too young. And I tell you, he lives here. He did live here where I live here in Ventura County. And, and he just at the other end of the valley. And he, he, um, you know, he had that wonderful, distinct trademark voice. You know, they say a lot of, a lot of actors, it's the vocal quality often makes a lot of actors come to Bill had that great voice. Yeah. And his wife, who actually also, is British. Uh, her name is Louise. And Louise, I said, I would ask Bill, I said, how come you don't have like a national, you know, for trucks or whatever, uh, you know, something intrinsically American. And, and Louise piped up because, because he overdoes it. When he goes to send in his demos, <laughs> always overjuicing the He should just be himself and trust himself. You know? Well, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for weird science, you know, Bill Pax, I mean, that was like, you know, like for me, I was like, wow, who is this guy? Yeah. You know, I mean, he, and he did, he, he, you know, he played a character. It was like yeah, big and bold and right. I mean, shit. James Cameron's go-to guy, as you know, and he, uh, he was just um, such a uh, courage. Just amazingly encouraging guy, enthusiastic. I mean, the turnout for his memorial, just the who's who of leading men of Hollywood. Everybody who had come into contact with, with Bill wanted to be there and say something about him. 
and uh, you know they say the good die young so uh so but and and i uh, i don't know what that says about us but i say there's a lot <laughs> in a last name and may you remain forever young well well thank you sir i appreciate that and uh no that's it is it, true well, tricks, isn't it to keep your as you say your enthusiasm and have that sort of imagination that you have as a child and and not become jaded if anything somehow retain a certain level of innocence so and that again brings me back to why so often younger characters younger actors are are the most compelling because they are so lost in the story yeah and obviously the camera you know can't find fault with it. the lighting guys just love it they don't hours you know moving lamps around <laughs> yeah. years off. they're almost perfection to begin with you yes, know yes yes um i wanted to ask you a little bit about the elephant man which has been played by actors from bradley cooper to david bowie mm-hmm. and makeup is never used to recreate the character's deformity mm. what did you learn about your inner beauty and compassion Ah, from playing uh, the historical figure who's nicknamed right. the elephant. what it's about. The guy looks like he's from the dark side of the moon, doesn't he? Uh, John Merrick. Hideous deformities. Um, you can't help but be impacted by John Merrick's um, his brave, he's so brave and so keen to make contact mm. um, with with his fellow man and, and ask them to look beyond his, his you know, his ugly. And I, 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 had a, I had a scene, there is a scene, there's a remarkable scene. This really compounded my uh, very deep <laughs> attraction to Juliet. She, she plays a, a sort of composite character of um, Victorian actresses of the day an actress called Mrs. Kendall, and she comes in deep in the play and um, she realizes Merrick's never seen a naked woman because no woman's ever wanted mm. to get near him. Mm-hmm. And so she bears herself to her upper torso. And there again, it was just totally love. Her. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 uh, and Juliet always said she was so shy about, about she said that her line was she was she was less nervous about exposing herself to to a theatrical audience than she was to, to showing herself to me and whether how I would react. <laughs> I tell you, there's a there's a um, it was a, a I was hook line thing. Let's put it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess maybe it was love at first sight. You <laughs> uh, know, actually, funnily enough, when she first walked into the again going back. We were rehearsing high above um, Times Square. It was a pretty fantastic situation. There used to be a rehearsal hall. We had an amazing view of Jersey, the sunset, the winter sunset of Jersey over the Hudson. Um, but uh, she walked into the rehearsal hall because the, the, the rehearsal hall had glass windows all around and we were like up on the 45th floor. And when she first walked in, I, and she was wearing actually a kind of a suit uh, with pants, not, not the skirt. And I was so struck by how much she looked female version of her dad, Sir John Miller, mm. enemy of 
Winning. Yeah, Oscar award winning. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I yeah. wrote up with him too. I mean, you know, John Mills, wall to wall film. He's such a, such a an iconic British actor and really an actor. Was was there any advice or words of wisdom that, of course, Sir John Mills gave you? Uh, uh, he gave me some advice early on. You know the way it is, Jacob. You were probably less. Uh, arrogant than I was when I was, I, in fact, I can assure you, uh, you wouldn't have become as popular as quickly. Um, and I, it's not that I spurned his advice, but I, it's not that I thought I knew better, but I remember he was very subtle and he gave me, a, gave me, he just waved, he would wave a small flag, sort of like down boy, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, I acknowledged it, of course. Um, I think it was in, particularly in relation to the promotion of Greece. I think he was starting to sense I was getting a bit carried away with my impress, whatever, and was just so so hungry for it. And like a lot of young people, insecure, so so needy, even with beautiful Juliet on hand. I, I had, I had, and so without getting too deep into the psychology of it. But the one thing I do remember, when I'd done the cold, the, the spin-off of Diamond, and was in the money, my wife and I, we took, sold her, her beautiful house in Beverly Hills, and, and I had this great TV contract, and we went to board a, a ranch, just south of Santa Barbara, an avocado. Mm. And we, and, um, we'd been playing for about, but Colby's came off the air very quickly. And so suddenly that contract went up in smoke. But I was lucky because the show would give me an international program so I could go transition into those straight to video that were all the rage in the late 80s, right. the early 90s. So I was getting um, asked to come in and do these movies. Very often they shot me. And they, were, they, were, they paid, but they didn't pay a great deal. And there weren't enough of them. And so what happened was we started, you can't live this gentleman farmer lifestyle without supplement. And what I was making wasn't enough. And so, because uh, the place it was quite a lot of overhead. At the and I, uh, I remember my father-in-law saying to me, you know, when I said, uh, listen, you know, John, Johnny, don't worry. We can always sell part of the land because we were on over 30 acres. And he goes, I said, I've just got to arrange the lots. Said, so, so you're thinking of selling, are you? And I said, no, 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 just a portion, the, the, the third. And he goes, oh, oh, I meant the whole thing. And he, and, <laughs> and I'll never forget, you know, in hindsight, going, saw the writing on the wall. He was telling me, get out, while I still had equity in the place. Yeah. And again, you know, he would never sort of, Hammer home, yeah. Oh my God! But he subtly he subtly slid it in there, and he was like, "Oh, yeah." Well, they always don't. Don't you find Jacob that it's the little voice you have to listen to? And I'm talking about your internal little voice, not your internal big voice yelling at you with all it. In you know, as I said, neuroses, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> petty insecurities and fears and what have you. It's the little voice that comes in and gives you some key, key little advice. 
and often it unfortunately gets around. We, we, we just we just close it. We close that little door, don't we? We <laughs> close the, the tiny little door. door. We go. We go. What did you say to me? Goodbye. <laughs> oh, you live and learn. I tell you. Um, but uh, I, uh, I, I'm, as I said, I'm very grateful first and foremost to have have the marriage I have. I, but maybe who knows if if, if things had gone the way I'd anticipated. When I first got to the States with all my sort of aspirations to take on the mantle of James Dean and the rest of it, who knows? I might have blown everything specifically. You know. I do want to touch a little bit on Greece too. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, there's so many fans that swoon at the mention of it, and including my wife. She was she was beside herself when I said I was interviewing you today. Uh-huh. And I was like, do I even still matter? What, what's going on? <laughs> um, and, uh, and so what I want to ask is, why do you think the film has endured for so many years to become such a classic movie to multi-generations? Well, I do know, and I thought about this quite recently. I remember, remember realizing quite a few years ago now that the, a lot of the success of the film is due in part to the female lead, Stephanie Zeno played by the unbelievably beautiful Michelle. Mm. And, um, and, but that there was, it was kind of a, her spirit, a spunky character, you know, just not, you know, being trampled over by a guy and standing up to him and choosing, choosing her own path. And uh, so I realized that she's kind of iconic, not, you know, not only because of her looks and talent, but also because what that character represented. And the other thing was, you know, again, going back to the, the standing of technology at a given moment in time. In the early 80s, when that film came out, even though it, it died a horrible death at the box, it, and it was unfortunately released right at the start of the summer instead of deep in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, when the film begins with back to school again, and the kids have just got out of school, you know, it was kind of wrong timing. And we also, you know, by the way, there was also that weekend E.T. opened. Oh, you were going against like the, the great Steven Spielberg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think there was another Star Trek and, another, and maybe a Rambo film or whatever. It was just like we just got blown out of the water. But the film did get shown almost ad nauseum on HBO. Yeah, and so what happened was a lot of kids watched it. They just you know, loved that sort of idealized view of high school. And HBO was new too. It was like everybody had. They were like, "We gotta have HBO." It was on every motel, hotel. We yeah. got HBO. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I guess I I think that helped perpetuate the success of it. And I think um, uh, people compare the two, and I actually think. First one is a stronger film because not only star power of who was involved, but you know this was a Broadway smash. This was a tried and true, you know, a musical. And ours was one that had been you know manufactured, as it were, and to to follow in the on the on the heels. The success of the first one, but the the actors involved were quite a bit older. We were a lot. I think we looked more like high school. Mm-hmm. 
than than a lot of the, uh, a lot of the guys who were in in original the, uh, Travolta version. Yeah, yeah, the original version. Yeah, yeah. I've got Grease one. Yeah, very version. Yeah. Yes. I mean, exactly. I mean, I just think that I think kids sort of related more to to Grease two than Grease. Yeah. I mean, a lot they were blown away by the Rasmus had, but there's something about the second one that seems to go a little deeper. And as you know, if people view something at a very formative age in their life, they they hold on to it, you know, as it's 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 what shapes. And that's what's difficult as an actor is because the industry doesn't want you to ever get older. They want to sort of my my sister-in-law, uh, the great Haley, she's just put out her new autobiography, funnily enough, it's called Forever Young. Oh and yeah. uh, which of course we we love Haley. Yeah, of course. And as much as Juliet. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. The, the two of them together. You know, when I'm in their joint, like, honestly, really. So <laughs> such such light. I was just looking at some photos of you all together, and it's just it's just so amazing. You guys are just what a what a beautiful group you guys make. It's so yeah. wonderful. Well, thank you. We, you know, I do. I did. Juliet and I drew. Um, a lot of inspiration from her parents' marriage, John and Mary. They were married for 60 years. I don't know what that qualifies as. I know Juliet and I just had our ruby anniversary. I think it's called a diamond. What, what, what a year? How many years now? 40. 40, <laughs> actually, 40, 41 uh, next month. This, this time of year gets Congratulations. to me. We had both have our birthdays in November. Then we have our wedding anniversary at the very beginning of December. And then, of course, there's Christmas. So um, they, I, there better be a job in January. And it's usually not a time of year. There's a lot of work. There's not. This is the time the business starts to shut down right here around Thanksgiving and the holidays. So they say, well, nothing's happening till after the Sundance Film Festival. Nobody's, nobody's answering phones. Well, if my film gets submitted, you're coming with me. Right. <laughs> I hope I hope you get accepted, and I uh, and I must say it's a That's fun an season, and hopefully yeah. to God uh, it'll 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 be a normal festival, and you know we'll have got the work. I was I was actually just in Utah two weeks ago, and it seemed everything seems pretty normal over there. Thank God. I want to say something, I guess, because you've always been such a physically fit guy and, and you've always had, and we were talking a little bit about a moment ago about, you know, aging as, as we're going. And I started when I was 17, I'm 42 years old now. Now, you know, I've got hopefully fingers crossed many more years ahead of me, but talk to me a little bit and speak to everybody about, you know, how do you adjust to growing older in roles in show business when you suddenly realize, well, now I'm the dad or now I'm playing this character and I'm no longer the, you know, the James Dean, because, you know, I look at those photos and you are still so very, very handsome. I'm not one of those people who has to constantly watch his weight. I have to, have to be a little careful now with the beer in terms of they really, after a certain age, you know, you know, I always thought it was going to be at 40. I'd start getting the gun. And then I got to 50. Still wasn't good. Uh, but now, now that I've hit 60, I am noticing I'm, if I drink too much beer, oh. I know about it the next morning. Uh, and I don't mean just with a headache. I mean, I actually feel kind of like, like a little around the waist. I'm, 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 I'm very keen to take on more and more character work. I just got a, a really fun little part 
in uh, it's a Pam and Tommy, Pamela Anderson. Tommy. Oh yeah, I saw, yeah, I've seen. Yeah. yeah, are you in that? Yeah, I've got a brief role in it playing Bob Guccione, who was sort of Hugh Hefner's British counterpart, even though he was American. Um, Guccione created Penthouse. Uh huh. Obviously, Pamela Anderson was Hugh Hefner's Playboy cover girl, and so I have a, a brief moment in in one episode. I hope it comes off well, but uh, it was shot so fast you just never know. Oh, I'm sure you were fantastic. Well, they did great makeup on me, and I was really. Uh, um, it was it was one of those things where it's not like I couldn't recognize myself, but I was like, oh really are character there's no the leading man thing yeah okay but now you are getting those kind of fun parts where you get to come in and sort of just uh really spice up a show however long you have in, in the story and uh so i'm i'm hoping that becomes um embracing a little bit more of the, yeah, the character to embrace it and i'm hoping the industry goes okay all right, he's no longer a spelling actor. He's no longer, you know, the long past the walking eight by 10 guy. Uh, maybe he's got some chops. And, and I've always been grateful to be able to go to the theater, back to the theater and really have a, you know, the kind of juicy roles that are out in, in, in the, in, on the legitimate stage. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, do what we, we love to do, which is basically inhabit a character, be a part of a compelling story or a you know, joyous evening. If I've, I've been doing musicals as well. You talked about Chicago, and uh, that was really one of the highlights of my career. Mm-hmm. Getting to play Billy Flynn in the West End for a couple of months there, surrounded by unbelievably uh, great chorus girls. Black lingerie. <laughs> yeah, Juliet doesn't bat an eyelid. Just doesn't pay any heed to it. She's just so confident. It's it's yeah. uh, it's the law of reverse effort. Yeah, it's a brilliant. Well, we're we're certainly thankful to have you. Whether it's on the stage, TV, film, miniseries, whatever, Thanks. it's just a blessing to have you uh, still kicking some time, serious butt a, out it's there. A, it's a it's a it's been uh, I've enjoyed chatting with you about all. This. Must say. Well, I got a couple more questions for you. And one is I hope we get to work together. I, I hope so too. I mean, it's it, I I you know, I've actually got something in in mind, and I want to I'll talk to you on a another time about it. It's okay. it's Good. something that I've got in the works that I think you might be wonderful for. But everybody well, you become, you know in this business, <laughs> it is, right isn't it? At the right time. <laughs> Everybody on my show, now they get to take a ride in the Jacob Young time machine. Now, of course, the theoretical time machine. <laughs> what advice would you give 14-year-old Maxwell if you had the chance? That's a very solid. Uh, I, I Basically, 14-year-old Maxwell, uh, he was so full of himself. He, there's nothing you could have told him. <laughs> which is probably why you got your start in the, the beginning it probably is it probably is I, I i got lucky enough to work with ed asner uh you just talked about having wow. the, the privilege of talking to we America. lost just recently yeah yeah no listen the emmy award in memoriam mm. this past year was absolutely devastating 
It always is, but this year, couldn't take it. I know. But one of them, I was lucky enough to work with Ed Asner, one of his very last projects, um, little movie, shoot, Christmas movie, shoot, shooting out in Illinois. And he, um, there was a Greenhorn actor on the show who came up to him, I think it was a local hire, and the, the kid came up to him and said, you know, Mr. Asner, you've got so many Emmy Awards, president of the Screen Actors Guild, so privileged to be working with you today, but what, what advice would you give me? about entering the profession and going to Hollywood. So he said, kid, you're gonna, you need luck. You need a lot of luck. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> uh. so, but I felt like, I'll tell you very quickly, and I'll try and, I've told this story before, but it's, it's such a, it's so revealing about, you know, projecting ahead. And uh, I, I was working as a movie usher in the West End of London when they premiered Saturday Night Fever, and uh, they made a big show. League lights breaking the skies, and this white Rolls Royce pulled up, and out of the BGs. And the next white Rolls that pulled up was John Travolta. And at that point, nobody had ever heard of it. Welcome Back, Cotter wasn't airing in the UK. Yep. But we'd heard the film was a sensation, and so the whole of Leicester Square in the West End of London, which is where the cinema, the Odeon, where I was working. At, and was packed with screaming girls who didn't know what they were screaming about. They just, they just were there to scream. <laughs> My sponsor, Boys Town. Yes, sir. I was lucky enough to visit their campus recently in Nebraska, and they have all these bronze statues that are all around the campus. And there's a statue of a, a boy who's carrying another boy on his back. And it's a true story. Uh, there was a boy who had a disability and the other boys would carry him around because he couldn't get around. And Father Flanagan, who was the founder of Boys Town, looked down to him and he said, isn't he heavy? And he said, no, Father, he's not heavy. He's my brother. Meaning in our lives at some point, We've had somebody carry us. Who's carried you, Maxwell? Uh, uh, I, I think I made it pretty clear. I mean, she's five foot two, <laughs> still got beautiful blonde hair. I don't know how she does it. Um, I, uh, I would say uh, I had, um, as I indicated, a tricky relationship with my stepfather. Didn't really get to know my real father until quite late in the game. Uh, my brother and I were like, we, we fought like junkyard dogs our whole lives. I have a wonderful relationship. Uh, he's mad as March hair, but uh, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, um, he's my brother. And uh, I, um, I would say, again, uh, I've been very fortunate. I, I hope it never runs out. But I've got through some challenging times. We all do. Challenging times. living. School of hard knocks and all the rest of it. Somehow, I haven't been exposed to a great deal of misfortune. I, we've lost a lot of people recently. Mm -hmm. um, friends. Uh, not, not, not to the dreaded virus, but, uh, but just the age and um, 
illness. But these were all people, people you meet in your life, other people that shape And so again, you know, I would reference Boy Scout leader, Ted Jack. I would reference uh, my head of the acting department in my college I went to briefly. Not the acting academy, I got tossed out of it. The, the guy who actually, Jeremy Siddle, who started giving me some really good roles in the in the productions. I think he played uh, Kilroy and Tennessee Williams. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, it's those people that believe in you early and give you, they put you on the team. Say, okay, you can be in the starting line. Let's see how you do. And uh, if you have a bad first half, they keep you out for the second. They go, you know, you've got it. It's the people who tell you to go on believing. They say, you're ready to throw in the towel or go in the corner and sulk. Or like my dad, who's a very talented guy, but he did not deal with rejection. And, and brilliant illustrator. When he first started getting his cartoons and illustrations rejected, he tore them up and never did them again. You know, uh -huh. And he stopped. And that's the that's one of the tricks to not stop. And you are so much you embody that in, in what you've done in your career. You have that James Dean esque and looking at photos of you today, I was just just checking you out again and I was like, wow, gosh man, you uh you are quite an amazing actor who's had an incredible career and we're so blessed to, to, to have you, you know, just, just keep, keep doing it, man. I, I just, I want, I want, I want more and we need to be, we need to be working together. I just, sure, let's make that happen. I was going to yeah. sign off with you by saying, Hey Jacob, remember that script you said you had <laughs> Don't get, get it to me, man. Yeah. Well, let, 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 let's make it happen. Right on. Well, with that, I, I, Maxwell, I do want to say thank you so much for Thanks. such an amazing conversation. There's so much, something about truly an English accent that always makes everything so much more entertaining. <laughs> you guys give us too much credit. I think you always seem to think we've got superior intellect. And it's, nothing, <laughs> it's all to do with the accent. <laughs> hey, well, maybe in some proper English, too, just, just the way you pronounce things. Yeah. Uh, but wishing you and Juliet, of course, continued success. You both have become role models, not only for actors, but for happily married couples everywhere. Oh, well, thanks. Thank you so much, Maxwell. Take it easy. Lane Frost Brand is a proud sponsor of Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the comfortable, stylish, and unique clothing line that commemorates the life of world champion bull rider Lane Frost. Everything from hats to belt buckles. Be sure to check out the whole line of products for the entire family at lanefrost.com, the official shop of the legend for the champion in you. I'm going to bring in my friend and the manager of the Boys Town National Hotline, our resident professional, Chris Hallstrom. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Maxwell Caulfield, he has been all over the world, of course, as an actor, touring stages. Um, of course, Grease too, which I, you know, I, my wife loves. I love that movie. I love all the, the all the Grease movies. But also married to the Mills family, Juliet Mills and Haley Mills. And, you know, most people that are my age who maybe have even seen the parent trap, they go, 
what do you mean? Aren't they this, aren't they really twins? And, um, you know, Haley played the twins, but Juliet was an actress in her own right and has been all over the stage and screen for many, many years. Um, and one of the things that really stands out to me is relationships and talking about relationships and how he is so madly in love with his missus after all of these years. Yes. For, well, one thing, his voice, I love listening to that accent. That that was a joy. But truly, that to me, that was the one thing that really, really stood out in this whole interview because he kept weaving you'd ask him questions and he'd keep weaving back to the relationship with his wife. And, you know, what a blessing for them to uh, find each other and then to be able to be married for 40 years. Um, And I remember at one point in the interview, he talked about how um, her parents were role models for them. Um, And they had been married for 60 years, I believe is what he said. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I just admire people that stick to it. And, um, he talked about how the two of them work together and, um, was totally complimentary of her too. I think that's, you know, and Lord knows after 40 years, there's probably all sorts of things that they do that can irritate each other, but he was just, he spoke of her so lovingly and appreciated everything that she did for him. And I, Truly, when it comes to relationships, that's so important to do because it's very easy to criticize and nitpick and complain about what your spouse says or does. And he was just so respectful and so appreciative of her. Um, I just thought that really came across very strongly in that interview. Yeah, I think if there's any key to any relationship, it's having that understanding and that give and take. And he, the one specific story that really sticks out to me is because I have to do this all the time with my wife is, is she's reading for my, um, my, my self tapes, just like his wife. Cause he still is an actor. And I love that about him too. After all these years, he goes, no, no, I'm still doing the game. I'm in the game. I'm in here. And guess what? Juliet is reading the lines and barking orders at me. Right. From the other <laughs> side of the camera. <laughs> But how great is that? It's, you know, that fact he, he embraces it. She, right. of course, has been in the industry. Her father's been in the industry. Oh, Oscar award winning father. And of course, Haley Mills, of course, we love from the parent trap. And the fact that he's got this wonderful support system, even as he's growing into his golden age and has someone that loves him still enough to, to give him direction and, and allow him to pursue, pursue all those, uh, this wonderful, crazy industry we call Hollywood. Well, there was just, you could just tell there was such respect for her for her skills and her ability and just their relationship in general. So, you know, we, the, the fact that they can do that together and that you and your wife can do that together is awesome. We all know there's things um, when you're married that you learn very quickly. Uh, no, we need to do this separately or you do this and I'll go do this, whatever. <laughs> um, it, not everything's a fantasy land and not everything works perfectly all the time, but you find those things that you can do together and enjoy together and to build each other up. Um, that, I, I guess that's just, i I just loved hearing him talk about her. How important is a support system like that in a relationship? 
Oh, I think everything. And again, I knew when you asked the question at the end, who's carried you, I knew that that was going to be his answer, that it was her, you know, it, life is not perfect. No one's life is perfect. Everybody has bad things happen to them in their life. And everybody needs those people surrounding them to help pick them up or to be that sounding board or um, even just to protect them from uh, other things that are going on in the world. So, you know, everybody should be so lucky as to find that kind of relationship. But any kind of support is helpful. Any it, kind of support. It, it sure is. And, and I love the story when they met doing yes. the Elephant Man on Broadway. Right. And they were or they were touring. And, and, you know, this has been played by so many credited, amazing actors, Bradley Cooper, um, yeah, on and on and on. Um, but, you know, he talks about meeting her and immediately just falling for her. Now, there was a big difference in age at that point in their career, already at that point in their career, because, and, and there's still, you know, this is a difference with age where you say, how does that work? Um, but, but what I, what I found very interesting was, was that he never saw age. He just saw the person that he fell in love with. Um, does age matter when it comes I think with to some people? Yeah, I think with some people it does. I mean, you know, they're just in different parts of their life, but obviously these two met each other at a time when they fit together and they've grown together. So that's awesome. You know, and there's some people that fit together, like they're the same age and they meet and fall in love and get married and then they grow apart. So the fact that would you the age say, difference was there. Would you say that maybe one may feed the other's soul? Like, could very easily be. Like, somebody, like they fill in that niche for somebody. Yeah. I would, I yeah. would, I would say so, especially with their love. And, and that's one thing I've, I've met Maxwell so many times in person and Juliet and I, you would go, is, you know, is it, is it a relationship that's, uh, that has lasted because of one thing or the other, but, but they are still madly in love. And I just, I only hope that I can have something like that for the rest of my life. Exactly. Everybody should hope that. And if, if it's not perfect, make it the best it can be, you know? Yeah. Again, we can look at anybody from the outside and think things are perfect. And I'm sure they've had their ups and downs too. So I, well, I would um, hope so. I, That's what makes our yeah. lives interesting, right? <laughs> exactly. But the respect and, and the admiration that he showed when he talked about her, I just really appreciate it. I certainly appreciate that too. And it gives me hope that... Um, I, you know, I know how I feel about my wife, but I also, it gives me hope that later on in life, we will still have that same kindled fire burning. Right. Right. We uh, got a few years to go though, to get to 40. <laughs> yeah. We do have a little bit of time yet. We yes. <laughs> but uh, it sure was a great privilege to have Maxwell Caulfield on the show and, and talking about all of his excesses and everything that he's, he's gone through. And he even talked about ups and downs. One of the one things that does stick out to me now reflecting back on the conversation was he said, as an actor, bank accounts can go up and down and, and it is not a sure, true career that is always going to be there, but 
you know, and the, he was talking about some advice that his his father-in-law was giving him and he had maybe gotten a little over his head and was talking about buying he had bought in this, you know, big ranch up in I think the I think he was saying something about the Santa Barbara area and he was trying to rationalize with him he's like, "Well, I'm just going to sell a few of these acres." And the father-in-law was like, "Well, I thought maybe you were going to sell the whole thing. <laughs> maybe you should just basically step away from it and take the losses and take what you can get out of it and, and move forward. How important is advice like that in our lives when maybe we're young and in love and maybe naive? Should we, should we turn our, our ears on to that at that point? Well, for one thing, I think you ought to take in advice from anybody like that. If they live their life, like sometimes you, in the moment you think they don't know what they're talking about, but really take it in and, and analyze it and look at it. Cause I can only imagine with um, people in your industry, how easy it would be. You get, a, you know, maybe a large flow of money at one time and, Oh, I've got all this money and I want to spend it, but then making sure that you're portioning it out. So it lasts over a period of time. Um, that would be a challenge. You don't have just a regular paycheck like a lot of other people do. So um, yeah, I, I do think when you're young, you have to be able to plan ahead and um, not assume anything, especially in today's world. <laughs> well, my dad's so, advice was always save your money. Yes, That's what he always exactly. said, save your money. And um, there are many times where I wish I probably would have saved a little right. bit more, a little bit more right. of a nest egg. But I would say listening to the, my elders and listening to what they have to say and the knowledge that they have obtained in their life. Right. Uh, life experience, life especially experience. with finances. <laughs> and it sounded like Maxwell's father-in-law was, uh, was that man. Yep. Well, Chris, I just want to say thank you for the time today, of course, as always, and always your insights. Well, I always love talking to you, Jacob. Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the mental health podcast is sponsored by Boys Town. Now, Boys Town, their slogan is, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And for over 100 years, Boys Town has been saving children, healing families. They're only one call away, and they're always there to help. Please go to boystown.org for all the details on how to access Boys Town's health services, or you can simply go to yourlifeyourvoice.org. If you are in crisis or need of immediate help, call the trained counselors at the Boys Town National Hotline at 800-448-3000 or text VOICE to 20121. Thanks for joining me on Real Conversations. I'm Jacob Young. Until next time, love yourself and love each other.